Plunger moves on in, and he scores! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I am John. What's going on, everybody? And as always, we are joined by our wonderful producer, Mr. Nat Marlowe. Hi, everybody. How are we doing today? Another wonderful day. Another wonderful day. One day closer to hockey starting up. Hopefully. Hopefully. Which we'll get to here (laughs) in a short bit. But, uh, you know, other than that, it's not going too bad. How about yourself, John? Yeah, doing all right, man. You know, just uh, living the dream, yeah. as you would as a you know teacher in the remote teaching land. But I got a funny story about my daughter Reagan, if you would like. <laughs> this one's pretty good. So I am I am not a religious person. It it doesn't mean that I don't believe in things. I'm just I'm not somebody who goes to church. It's just not a part of my everyday. I'm not, I'm not offended by people with religion or anything like that. It's just not a big part of my life. But my daughter, she became interested in the whole like nativity scene she wanted to know like what it was about around christmas time um totally not the right person to explain any of that stuff to her but my mother-in-law did and bought her this book like away in the manger in a place of cute little song whatever and i was trying to sing it last night and apparently i was singing it all wrong but anyway hold on a second let me let me cut you off real quick you mean to tell me that the man known for singing on this podcast messed something up when it came to singing i'd have never been able to guess (laughs) sorry man my hymnals i'm not really good with my hymnals (laughs) no amazing grace then this week (laughs) no no amazing grace this week damn yeah no sidebar though oh no i can't sidebar yet let me finish this story (laughs) so anyway she comes into the room a few a few mornings ago just all up in arms. It's early in the morning. She's like, Daddy, 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 open up the curtains. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, like, what's happening? You know, maybe something happened outside her window. Our rabid dogs outside. Is the vaccination turning people into zombies and all of a sudden they're here to eat our legs? Like, what is happening? So she, she's like, baby Jesus, we've got to find baby Jesus. I'm like, oh no, what have we done? She opens up the curtains. I see the light, Daddy. I see the light. I'm like, well, don't follow it. For what, whatever you do, don't follow the light. She's like, Daddy, I need to find baby Jesus. And I'm like, listen, kid, people have been trying to find Jesus their entire lives. It's just not that easy. Like, you got to wait for it. You got to be good. She's not getting any of that. But I'm laughing at it because it's a funny joke. It's like finding Jesus. We went under her bed to look for Jesus. We were looking in the pillowcase. I went to go see if he was dropping a deuce in the bathroom. The kid has been trying to find baby Jesus for the past five days. And I don't know what to do. It's like we drove by one of those. (laughs) I'll convince you. One of those nativity scenes, you know, I'm like, oh, look, baby. No, no, that's not what she meant. She went the real one. I'm like, oh, well, kid, I don't know what to tell you. So she's either going to be a she told me she wants to be a cop, which good God, could we please go shoot for something? A little bit more lucrative so daddy can retire at a younger age. But she's either going to be whatever she wants to be or she could be a preacher. I, this whole going around the house singing away in the manger looking for baby Jesus. I don't know. This this stage I was not prepared for. Let's just hope that that's a stage and it's only a stage. <laughs> she's going to be like conducting mass with her stuffed animals. You know what? If she make, she could make a career out of that. You know, that Joel Osteen she dude. She could. Yeah. She could end up like him. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. On second but, thought, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> hey, maybe I'd still be able to retire at an early age. Yeah, hey. I mean, that's, that's what really matters. Right? <laughs> anyway, so can I sidebar real quick before we get into to- to hockey, which I guess isn't really a sidebar because we haven't gotten into hockey yet. We've lost most of our audience uh-huh. by now anyway, so go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so remember a couple couple weeks ago we were talking about um, music and not knowing the words and like Pearl Jam's one of those great bands for you don't really need to know the words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Found a found a better band for that. Oh, Lord. ZZ Top. <laughs> really? Oh, oh, oh. The Grange. It's tough to even read their lips because of those gigantic beards. You know, you don't even know what they're saying. You can't even lip read. I legit don't think there are words to that song. I think that that guy's just doing gutturals. Because what? <laughs> I, um, amazing song. No clue what the guy's saying. My kind of music. I got a coworker of mine that we... Uh, I, I've got a giant playlist of music that we listen to during the day. I put on the radio. And uh, Sharp Dressed Man's one of them. So the one time, just out of nowhere. You know, like... Like, uh, they sing about the black tie, and then you hear the guy in the background, black tie. Like, he did that, and for the for one reason or another, I just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. So now every time that song comes on, I'm on one side of a car putting up vinyl, and he's on the other, and I just hear him on the other side, black tar. And I'm like, damn it, Chad. Like, <laughs> really, really underrated band. Like, if you throw Very on their good. greatest hits, you're like, oh, man, that's, a, that's oh. another good song. ZZ Touch, Top's got some killer Touch. hits. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I'm not going to give you any love, but I'm going to give you the kibosh on that because we got some hockey to talk about. <laughs> All right, fine. We got some actual serious stuff to talk about and touch on first real quick. Um, it came out earlier this week. John's going to poke me through the uh, lens there, but well, Dallas... Said, said touch on. The touch... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I got you now. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, Dallas Stars, it came out. Six players, two staff members have tested positive. Their season opener has been delayed, and the reason we touch on that first is because we're going to get to the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's been a potential exposure to COVID-19, and the season opener against Philadelphia this Wednesday isn't officially in doubt or in question, but it raises that point where if they've come into contact and you know end up with a couple cases, or one or even one, this, I mean... We had to see this coming, correct? You know, with the way the playoffs were handled, it was phenomenal. But it's going to get you eventually, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, buckle up your seatbelts. This is the new normal for now. I mean, you look at every other sport, they're going through this. Um, Games are going to be postponed. It's just kind of the new normal. You know, I don't think anybody should get over dramatic and be like, is this ever going to really happen? Like it is sports are proving that they can do it. You know, you just have to understand that cases are going to come up, especially because we can't be playing in the bubble and mm-hmm. games are going to be postponed, but great year to start a website. Let me tell you oh, on a very absolutely. unpredictable hockey season. Say <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt would know more about this, but I mean, we're seeing it in the NBA specifically with the Sixers. They got hit pretty hard uh, the other day. Oh, and I guess man. their last game, Tyrese Maxey had one hell of a game, which is awesome to see. Again, not a big basketball well, guy, but he played like forty plus minutes. Yeah, I mean, how many people, were, how many players were affected by this, Nat? Too many to count. So, <laughs> uh, it, I was doing a show with Jason Martinez yesterday, and literally, like in the middle of the show, that news dropped. <sighs> so, 
at first it was just Tobias Harris, Shake Milton. Uh, it wasn't not for Concordia. I forget the other two players who were on the the COVID protocol list. But it was first it was those two guys, uh, four four players who were on the COVID protocol list, and then it was announced that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons they were out due to injury. So the mm-hmm. Sixers literally had seven players for that game, none of which were the superstars on that team. And literally the only reason why they didn't forfeit that game was because Mike Scott played in the warm-ups as the eighth player. Had he not participated in warm-ups, they would have had to forfeit that game. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you. It was my understanding, and maybe I'm just wrong with this, that like in the NHL, if there is a case or if there's a reason why a player can't play for COVID reasons, that the whole team can't. Is that? Am I wrong by saying that? I'm not positive. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Basketball. There's not a lot of players on a on a basketball depth chart. You know, mm. it's interesting that they would even play. This this jumps into a different point that I wanted to make as well because we've seen the report come out about Shane Gostisbehere being deemed unfit to play, which is the term that everybody's using in the NHL because there's no transparency anymore. We don't know whether he's injured, whether it's COVID related or not. Um, again, we're not here to you know spread misinformation or rumors or anything like that, but it's it comes on the heels of him saying this is the healthiest he's been in years. Uh, recovering from injuries, you know, things like that. It, you know, this is a concern. This is going to be a concern for every team moving forward. Um, right. You know, maybe it, within a couple months we'll see the effect of the vaccine take place and, you know, maybe people are healthier. It's happening with less frequency. But again, you know, it, it comes back to that argument, and not argument, but discussion that we had weeks ago about the being deemed unfit to play. Like that's just right. you're opening up for lack of a better term, Pandora's box, because now there's going to be so much speculation as to why somebody is quote unquote unfit to play. Right. You know, and like, I wish there was a way, I mean, you can't, you can't say, Oh, we'll list injuries, but we, anything that's illness related, we'll say unfit to play because then, okay, you're essentially naming it without naming it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, Please yell at me if I'm being insensitive, but is it really the end of the world if we announce whether or not we test positive for COVID? Well, I, I, I do have uh, some protocols if you want me to go through them real yeah, quick. Yeah, sure. no, that'd be great. Nice. Yes. So this is this will be in regards to players that test positive. So starting off with symptomatic players that test positive from the league protocol, a positive test of an individual who exhibits symptoms of COVID shall not be subject to further Confirmatory testing until this protocol. Uh, Such individuals' COVID-19 positive status will be considered confirmed if, in the opinion of the treating physician, there is no basis to doubt the individual's positive status. Uh, These individuals shall be required to isolate until medical clearance is obtained. The club physician shall immediately coordinate contact tracing with their infectious disease consultant and local health authority. Regarding protocol for symptomatic players that test negative, Individuals who develop infectious respiratory symptoms but who test negative for COVID shall have their clinical care and clearance managed by the club physician in consultation with the club's infectious disease expert, and they shall continue to be monitored with daily PCR testing. All right. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, if you're having the respiratory problems and it's not COVID, you would hate to get it. Oh, you know? of course. 
we just went through it with um, uh, some guys at work, you know, just not necessarily respiratory, but like the symptoms of COVID. They had them. Right. Both of them got tested. Both of them were negative. But nonetheless, it's like this thing's like the plague when, you know, you're talking about it. You don't want to get it. And, and even if it's something, you know, a, as small as just a few symptoms where they're not positive, but it, it, no one wants that because then everybody looks at you like no. you've got a scarlet letter on your chest, you know. But do you at this point, though? I mean, I, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't necessarily in the beginning, I 100 percent agree because we really this was we didn't understand this the way we do it. And who knows if we really understand it now. But we looked at it in such a, a different way than I think we look at it now, mm-hmm. where if it comes out that somebody has covid, I don't I don't necessarily jump to all of that kind of like label and and such and maybe that's just me maybe i'm just a really nice guy and i don't it could be a discussion that's on a bigger scale than that just becoming kind of desensitized to it you know people true leading you know certain nations that didn't make a big deal out of it when they got it again not getting into that specifically but did the nfl name players right i mean i want to say they did like cam newton right i mean cam elliott Zeke Elliott had it. I think. Well, the ahead, players Matt. would have the players would have to announce that, right? Or the teams would release that information with the players' permission because of HIPAA. I mean, because Zeke True. Elliott got it, and right. then I think it was. I I don't want to like misquote or like mislead anybody with the news here, but somebody reported that Zeke Elliott had COVID nineteen, and then he tweets out HIPAA question mark. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, you jump into those waters too. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't murky. know. I just, I just don't love the unfit to play thing, and maybe yeah. it's for selfish reasons because it makes us having to talk about things with a lot more unknowns. But well, uh, then it creates all these conspiracy theories. Because yesterday we had someone call in when Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were out, and they said, "Oh, they're not out due to injury. They're out because they don't want to play because everyone else has right. COVID or has been exposed to COVID." This is an fu to the NBA. So this is, I mean, it conspiracy theories are being created around that and the nfl then they're going to be created in the nhl as well it's just bound to happen oh yeah right i mean think about who they're coming from you know you're getting joe from delco you know you know guys he they they all have covid you know we don't want to they've all got it joe from delco (laughs) listens to this show joe if you listen to this show don't listen don't listen to Derek. it's okay my my bad joe it's all right that was a terrible impersonation But I think the moral of this story is, Derek, is like this is just like this is like hopefully it's not next season, but this is what we're going to be dealing with. We're going to be dealing with cancellations. We're going to be dealing with unfit to play. And that's what like I wouldn't bet on this season for any team because you never really know what's going to happen. Um, There's so many unpredictabilities. And I think, Nat, you said it in our little group chat. You were saying like this season is impossible to predict. And you're yeah. right, because there just are so many uncertainties right now. Oh, yeah. Which then begs the question, let's look at this hypothetically and jump into our next point. You know, we're going to talk about the season, what we've got coming up for the Flyers. If everything goes off without a hitch, a big if, but hypothetically mm-hmm. it does, what are we expecting? I mean, in a general sense, are, are we going to be looking at a Flyers team that's going to contend for the Cup? Are we going to be looking at, you know, something equal to last season where they made the second round uh they you know played decent in the playoffs i'll say decent just because new york really took care of them um mm. you know 
what are we thinking is the ceiling, really, for this team this year? Well, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more, but it, it, it's difficult to tell because I think that this team is doing a lot of internal upgrades. And for me, when you count on internal upgrades, there's a lot more uncertainty because you have to, like, project everybody's, you know, progression. And did they take this step or did they take that step? But one great thing for the Flyers that we know is they have great goaltending. You know, I'm not even going to say the whole, well, if this happens kind of thing, because I don't want to jinx it. But we have great goaltending, and great goaltending can get you far. Look at those New York Rangers teams with Hendrick Lundqvist in his heyday, right? If The argument could be made that they were not a playoff team without Hendrick Lundqvist, but he got them into Stanley Cup contention. Um, but then when you get to that defense, man, it's like... I need to see a few games before I can really put any sort of confidence in the defense. And the the forwards, I mean, you know what you're going to get if you're if you're looking at if you're counting on people to not be slumping, right? We have a pretty deep forward group. So for me, you know, this is a playoff team. This is a win around team. I don't know if this is a win the division team because of just how tough this division is going to be and having to play the same opponent and over and over, over and over again. And me being the pessimist, I just don't know if we're quite there yet as far as Stanley Cup contention. It's tough to you know argue that they are because when you look at what they've lost between last season and now and what they've added as a result right. of what they've lost. Like, how can you really say that they addressed, you know, the the top pairing, how they addressed forward depth isn't of, of can isn't I a ask big you concern something, of mine. Though? Sure. Can you consider Limblom and Patrick additions, or are you just not ready to go that far yet? I, I mean, I'm not going to call them additions because they were already flyers. You know, they weren't playing for them. Exactly. I would say they've come back. I'd say it's a return as instead of an addition. You know, whether you can argue it's one and the same or not remains to be seen. But like, I'm not going to say they're additions because if we're talking about additions, I'm talking, you know, oh, the Flyers brought in this guy through a trade. The Flyers signed this guy in free agency. But for the sake of this conversation, Derek, look at it this way. If we look at. Compared to last season's roster, right? If our measuring stick is last season, which is tough too because there was a giant break between things, mm-hmm. right? And you look at your losses compared to your additions, comparing it to last season, okay? You would add Limblom and Patrick, a healthy Limblom and a healthy Patrick to an addition to the roster because you, you they didn't factor in really last year. Yeah. No, Those I, would right. be additions, right? And your losses would be Niskanen. I mean, much. Pitlick, you know, Pitlick, you've got guys like Thompson and Grant, like I'd argue they're, right. you know, that it's not a glaring hole, but it, they were role players and they played a good role on this team. So yeah, like it, it's going to suck, but at the same rate, right. look at who's coming up through, you know, you're going to get Lindblom and Patrick back. Patrick's likely, likely going to take over the three C position. So that plugs one of the bottom six holes from all accounts that I've heard. Uh, Linus Sandin has been playing pretty well in camp. He might end up plugging a hole. Who knows? Uh, Albe Kubel, he's going to be in one of those spots. Raffle, Lawton. Right. You, you have the components 
to be able to replace Grant and Pitlick and Thompson. You know, and hell, I think Grant, Grant Pitlick, they were there's like a rotation of healthy scratches. Not so much Pitlick, but Thompson and Grant. Right. Um, on the defense, though, is where I'm worried because obviously we've touched on this. We don't need to go in depth. Gustafson right. doesn't necessarily replace Niskanen, and nobody's really stepping up to replace Niskanen. So I'm a bit worried about the pairing with Provorov, but at the same rate, we still have a solid defense, and I think it's it's the quantity because we have eight guys that could right. potentially suit up in the NHL for the Flyers. Um, we're going to need that with the type of schedule that they're going to be playing, which is nice, and it's a luxury that the Flyers have. But you're not, in my opinion, until I see who steps up and takes that position next to Provorov, you're not going to get the same type of results that you did when Niskanen was there. I mean, and I like to look at it too is, you know, you're not always going to get a lot of production, for offensive production from your blue line, and, and I think a team can survive with that. Um, but it's where are your liabilities? Like you don't want to have too many people who become liabilities on the ice, like Ghost, right? He screams defensive liability to me. So it's like if, if he's the only one, okay, I, I'm fine with it. You know, there were times when Myers last year was a big defensive liability. He improved as the year went around. So, but I'm with you, man. The defense is what makes me the most nervous, and I think that if they can keep it together – this team can go further than I'm giving them credit for. What's the ceiling for the Flyers this year, Nat, for you? Well, I'm going to go back to something that I sent to you guys from our good friend Jordan Hall. This was on Wednesday from uh, his particular tweet, the Day 3 Big Club Group. And these lines, on paper, looking really good. So on paper, the first line, Limblom, Couturier, Konechny. Second line, Giroux, Hayes, and Farabee. Third line, Van Riemsdyk, Patrick, and Voracek. Fourth line, Raffle, Lawton, Obey, Hubel. Forward's looking pretty damn good. Then I look at the defensive pairings, and that's where my concerns come through. I really don't like these defensive pairings. Provorov and Ghost, Sandheim and Myers, Hag and Gustafson. And it's just, I understand it's, you know, it's a practice. Like, I, I, I get that. I'm not putting all my stock from one practice and applying it to the entire season. But it's just Dave Haxtell tried the provorov gosses pairing as the top defensive pairing in the – what season was it? In the 18-19 season. And they were horrible together. Provorov had his worst season starting off. gosses defensively, was such a big liability playing with Ivan Provorov. Now, on paper, yeah, those two should be – a serious offensive threat, but seeing it in action, I mean, they were, those two just had no chemistry working together that season. So I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking or what Elaine Vigneault is saying. If he's actually going to apply it to this season, thinking that it's going to work this time around, I just don't see that happening because we've seen it once before. Think about, my, did. Oh, sorry. Think, ahead, about what he, think about what he did though at the beginning of last season and you can attribute it him attribute it to him being the new guy on the block. He's the new head coach. He jumbled those lines night in and night out, night after night. There was never really a lot of time where one line stayed intact. So this could be his way of, you know, the defensive unit is kind of in flux right now because you really don't know who's going to be on the top pairing with Provorov. So that creates a ripple effect, 
aside from maybe the third line, unless they w- want to split up Braun and Haig. Um, well, so trying him out, it's sure. like, what's the harm? I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Not the the pairings that you mentioned. And again, like you said, it was a practice. There's going to be a lot of experimentation. Are we really going to put Braun as the seventh defenseman? If I read that correctly, is he the seventh defenseman on this team? I feel like he's somebody that needs to play night in and night out. I I agree. Pairing with uh, Zamula as the seventh and eighth defenseman. So that 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 was from that practice. Right. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the first time that I've I've heard that I've I've seen a couple of tweets just being like, Oh, Braun is gonna regress, you know, this is, he should be uh the seventh defenseman. I'd I rather like might regress, but I would still rather have Braun than Ghost. Right. Well yeah. and could we maybe wait to see if he regresses? Like <laughs> let's not predict it now. Oh, he's 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 gonna regress. No, let's put him in the bottom pairing because that's where he makes sense. And then if he doesn't play up to par, then then make him your seventh defenseman. Try something new. But to me, night one, he's a defenseman that I'm putting there because he gives you the best opportunity to win right now until we see something different. He's arguably the better, the best lockdown defenseman that the Flyers have. That's your third pairing, and that's the type of player that you want on that third pairing. So, scratching him for a guy, you know, like a Zamula, like a Ghost, or whoever it could be. It wasn't Zamula, my apologies. Ghost Ghost is an incredible liability. You know, we said right. it five minutes ago. So, where's your defense coming from? Like, it, to my knowledge, defense is still the name of the game and the name of the position, Correct. So where's that coming from if you're going to insert a guy like Ghost into the lineup over Braun? Are you going to depend on Haig more? We've seen Haig play top four minutes, and it's not it's not pretty. I've I mean I've said this a few times, and I, so I don't want to say it too much, but like I, to me the only way you're putting in Ghost into the lineup is if you're willing to do that whole 11 forwards, 7 defenseman thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, we're just cool. going to so situationally plug him on the power play or when we're getting a lot of time in the offensive zone. Like, that's how you would use Ghost in my mind, which to me doesn't really say a lot for the player. Um, it's not something I want to be paying that much money for, but mm-hmm. to me, that's the only thing that makes sense. And I don't agree with that. I don't like, I like three solid lines. I don't want 11 forwards. <laughs> But to me, that's the only thing that would make sense if they were going to go 11 forwards, 7 defensemen, and he becomes like your specialty guy. And you correct already... me if I'm wrong. The last time they tried that, the uh, playing 7 defensemen, that was when they were already – oh, wait, no. They were – that was the game they got eliminated by Carolina when Scott Gordon was interim coach, right? That was the last time they tried that? I don't remember. I think AV Dude, did it once or twice. for breakfast. <laughs> But no, I mean, you've got too many forwards as it is. Like, why are you going to bench one that could right. potentially contribute, you know, when you're going to just say, oh, right. let's take a flyer on Ghost? And you have potentially have more high-quality forwards than you do defensemen. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think at this point it, it would just be like, oh, God, we just need to, we need to find something to do with this Ghost guy. Yeah, like you're taking one pawn from this end and you're putting it over on the other end, and it's just it's not going to work because you want to stack the chips on offense. Because they're the ones that are going to likely score the goals. And defense, right. I feel like, aside from missing Niskanen, yeah, it, it's it's confusing, I should say. Because we there's kind of a question mark there. But at the same rate, you're returning five of your six defensemen. So your unit stays somewhat intact. 
I just right. the, the defense is and will continue to be the biggest question mark for me. But at the same rate, I, I'm I still think this team's good. I still think the defense oh, yeah. as a whole is good too. Um, you know, I just it's tough to really set expectations for this team. It's almost a little bit like last year because they brought in Niskin and they brought in Braun. Like they did all these things and made these moves, and you're like. What are we supposed to expect? Because Hayes was there, and you know, question marks around JVR. I mean, Nolan Patrick's back now. Is he going to remain healthy? Remains to be seen. Oscar Lindblom. Hopefully, he can stay healthy the entire year as well. With those guys back, ideally, you're looking at a very strong team, a team that could contend for right the the Eastern Conference Championship at the very least. I think right, but there's you variables. Know what's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too. I'm sorry, Derek. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, um, but like, what kind of team is best suited to win the cup in this kind of season? A brief season, very short training camp. You know, no preseason time to really mess things, mess around with things. Um, it's like if you also have to think about that too, right? It's like there's very little room for error. There's very little room to like work out the kinks. So you start to think, at least for me, right, the teams that were very talented last year that didn't see much change. Um, you know, you look at and you look at the Flyers and go, well, there hasn't been much change. Like, does that give them an upper hand on this? I mean, I don't know. It, it's just a way of thinking because I do think that some of that's going to play into effect. I mean, you're looking at a Flyers team that historically has been pretty good when it comes to the middle of the season. So, like, and, you know, I'll toot my own horn here a little bit. I did the records by month for the Flyers over the entire history of the franchise. So you're looking at December, 340 wins, 211 losses. Like, they're historically good as the season goes on, and they don't have a losing record in any month. Um, So, you know... The Flyers are built for that. I think if it's a shortened season and it's a sprint, they can do that. Now, historically, they have started out a little bit slower than most teams. But if they can find their footing... That's the worry. Yeah, and that was a lot... I almost want to attribute it more so to Hackstall than anything else because I think he was just a terrible coach. But having a proven guy behind the bench in Elaine Vigneault, he knows what he's got to do to get these guys going, and he proved that last year. So those slow starts, I'm not going to say are a thing of the past, but I don't think it's going to be as slow of a start. And if he can get his guys into top gear by midway through a shortened season, it bodes really well for them as the season goes on. Well, and, and, you know, bumps in the road last year, especially at the beginning of the season, could be attributed to getting to know the system. Like, there isn't really that worry anymore, especially because you really don't have any new players. You know, these NHL players were playing in this system. So hopefully, you know, year two, they won't have those hiccups. Because I'll tell you, man, if they start slow, I, I will automatically start to worry because I think this is the year you just cannot afford to like start go you know start off the season one and four or something like that yeah um yeah you can turn it around but i just think that there's just it's going to move too quick and the division is very competitive I, I just don't see it happening yeah they they can ill afford to start it slow that that's just the that's the baseline right there you can't right so 
Nat, yeah. your take on that. My take on that is, so I'm going to attribute this to another another team. And this time is going to be a divisional opponent for the Flyers, the Buffalo Sabres. The past two years, the Sabres have gotten out to a real hot start. And then it was like, once the new year hit, once the new year hits, the Buffalo Sabres just completely tanked, crapped to bed. And uh, it was just they never found their footing after that. It was like they had the, they would have these real red-hot starts, like sometimes nine, ten-game winning streaks. And then they right. would go on these, like, five-game losing streaks. It was just like, what the hell is going on with these with that type of team? So I think if the Flyers want any type of chance to be competitive based off like the logic you guys are using, you got to take Buffalo out of their element right away. You cannot let them get into a rhythm because if they get off to a to a hot start, there's not as many games this year for Buffalo to you know crap the bet on. And so there's no cannot... transitioning to a new year either. Yeah. Right. You get <laughs> right about that. And I know I am. Look, yeah. <laughs> look, you got it. You got to take them out of their element right away. This is because they are the new kids on the block in that division. Don't don't let them have a chip on their shoulder. No, like gun it. I don't I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but gun at them right away. Do not give them an inch because if you give them an inch, then they just might squeak into the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Flyers yeah. have Buffalo well, gonna... as their third and fourth game of the year, so that's next Monday and next Tuesday. So what better time to do that than then? And you're going to see teams sneak into the playoffs this year. Like, that's that's what this kind of year to me is going to bring. You're going to see those teams that traditionally just shouldn't be there. But because it's a shortened year and, you know, maybe they had a, those bottom seven had a little bit more time in training camp. I would count on one or two of those kind of disrupting things. If it's the goddamn devils, I swear. Oh, yeah, no, I'll nah. be furious. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Unfortunate about – it's really unfortunate about Corey Crawford, though. It I was is. always a big fan of his, even though, you know, he was the the Blackhawks goalie and such. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't the Blackhawks goalie when the Flyers lost to them, though. That was no, – what's that his was name, Niemi. right? Anti-Niemi. Yeah. Yep. yep. I was at that game. He kind of fell off, eh? He did. Yeah. He did. Just a, just a tad. <laughs> the two like goalie stars of that playoff now are like just going somewhere else. But Niemi and Halak, like mm-hmm. after that, they just—I mean, Halak was always kind of like your solid one B guy after that. But neither of them really held their own as a number one goaltender. No, I mean, but you see that every year. There's always one goalie that gets really hot, and then the next year right. it's like—I mean, what Scott Darling? Look at him. You know, he played really Scott well with Chicago, Darling. and then the next year it was like, I think, what, Carolina signed him or traded for him, one of those, and he just... Yeah, no, they signed him to a pretty decent deal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know... He was there a guys. while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens, man. Um, so, and real quick... sometimes all it takes is them going to a different team. I mean, Yarrow Locke went to the Islanders, sucked, goes, mm-hmm. to, Boston, goes to Boston, ends up going to the Cup Finals. Kudobin right. was in Boston, too, ends up going to Dallas, same thing. Cup Finals. Yep. Well, he's an interesting one too. Kudobin. 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 I didn't know if yeah. the, the K was silent. Kudobin. Um, trying too hard. Because they just <laughs> they signed him to a, a pretty decent extension too, didn't they? Is he still with Dallas? I believe so, to my knowledge. I yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they, they signed him because, I mean, he was phenomenal in the playoffs. But it'll be interesting with those guys. You know, playoff success for goalies, it's always interesting to see if it translates to uh, the next year. That was a little sidebar. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was hockey-related sidebar. Uh, hockey-related sidebar. That doesn't happen often. Baby steps, ladies and gentlemen. Baby steps. I know. Let's, let's talk there. about surprises. Let's talk about surprises and disappointments. So your one biggest surprise you think you're going to see this year. I want to start with you, Nat. Oh, the one biggest surprise. Are we talking? Are we talking just Flyers or the NHL in general? I want just Flyers. Just Flyers. Oh man, there's one biggest surprise I have. Oh, dare I say, James Van Riemsdyk kind of wins God the fan base damn. back. You stole mine, mother. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it was JVR related, at least. I can't even say well, great minds different. think alike now because, well, it's, it's John. Go ahead, Nat. <laughs> talk about it. I got to think of another one. <laughs> All right. Well, what what, what were you going to say about JVR? Well, just that he he had a, a turnaround year that made people kind of second guess having him go to Seattle. Like you know, he had a a good season um, where he was kind of that goal scorer we're all ex- we were all expecting him to be. All right, fair. I was going to say that he would kind of find more so his way under Alain Vigneault's system. And, like, because he would do not necessarily, like, be more of a defensive presence. I, I don't see that happening, but I think there is a solid chance that he does find a way to produce more for this team. Because if you take a look at his time with the Toronto Maple Leafs, his ice time was a lot lower than it was with the Flyers. But what Mike Babcock did, because his ice time was so low, you would see James Henry Dice production go up. So I think if Elaine Vigneault uses him in the right way like Mike Babcock did when Van Riemsdyk was with the Toronto Maple Leafs, then I think you definitely can see James Van Riemsdyk turn things around with the Flyers this year. Nice. I think that's valid. I'd like to see that, obviously. Um, but There then... is a vicious rumor going around that uh, the coaching staff, they do not like Van Riemsdyk at all. So mm. I'm not going to say where I heard that from, but that is a rumor that is going around. Mm. Rumors, ugh. Oh, hate Rumors. that crap. Yeah, I hated that in high Rumors. school. Rumors. Mm. Yep. I was the one making them. Yeah, you're the person. Oh, God. I'm glad we don't live <laughs> no, next to each true. other. No. <laughs> that's not true. I'm trying to think, you know, maybe this is a conversation in itself. I'm trying to think of, like, another thing that could be a surprise, right? It's like... Think of, like, a hot take, maybe. Oh, cause, right, but, like, we're thinking about... Because when I think of surprise, I'm thinking of positive, right? We'll save disappoint the negatives for, like, is anything that positive has to do with with Hayes a surprise? Well, no. Is anything that's a you know, could that also be said about Giroux or Voracek? Like that shouldn't be a surprise if they play play well. I'm trying to think. He really threw me off here, Nathaniel. I do that. This is why we brought him on. Maybe like. Maybe Joel Farabee, you know, I think he's somebody where we kind of, at least in my mind, I kind of forget to talk about him because I almost just wonder where he's going to play. But I think that he's going to put up some surprising numbers because I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets top six minutes. And, you know, the guy does have a decent amount of offensive upside. So I almost wonder if he, his point production surprises people. Maybe it's a little bit higher than what we're expecting. 
kind of reaching there. All right. Now, I got one that you guys probably won't agree with here. Morin is going to be a 20-point player. He's not even going to play. I think he's Oh. Now. He's not even going to be put on the bottom line, man. Okay. And that's fair. I'm just saying if he is, God. he's going to put up some okay. points. That big body, we talked about it last week. He's going to be in front of that net. Oh, he's going to screen that goalie. How are you going to see around that guy? Tip-ins, baby. All right. He's going to do what James Van Reems like should be doing. (laughs) That's not necessarily going to translate to points, though. Like, you can contribute offensively, but it won't always, like, translate onto the stat seat. I just said tip-in goals. That that ends up on the score sheet. Well, what if he doesn't even get tip-in goals? Oh, then he's but, he gets a he gets a plus one. Eric, he is though. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I could see him like contributing offensively, just not not necessarily getting goals or assists. Guys, guys, just stop because look at this forward depth. He's not going to make the roster. I I mean, it's a great dream. It's a great he's part story. Of that forward depth. He's not though. He's the project. Like if we, you know, if <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Injuries I, to happen. Yeah, like, I would love for it to happen, but it's not like he's going to make this roster. All right. Well, Injuries to happen or AV's desperate for something to happen with this team. Yeah, he's smoking blunts in the taxi squad. Here's a more realistic one that I think you guys will agree with, I think. Carter Hart is going to win the Vezina this year. Ooh. It's spicy. No, it is spicy. But spicy. think about how he did in the playoffs. And how the Flyers would not have made it past the Canadians had he not stood on his head for that series. If he is also alarming. It is, yes, it is. But at the same rate, if he turns in performances like that on a nightly basis this season, how are you going to not to how are you going to deny a guy like that the highest prize for a goalie in the NHL? Because of how many other great goalies there are in the NHL. But yep. he's gonna be better. I mean I'm, I think that if you were to say the biggest surprise, and maybe this isn't even a surprise, but it's that he puts together a Vezda caliber season, I'm all, all for you. I just don't see him making the ballot as the final three. Just I could see it. I think it's a long shot, but I could definitely see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't tend to agree much with I see him making those. the pilot, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, hey. I ain't going to argue with it. All right, biggest potential disappointment. We'll make this a quick one. All right, so everybody just listen to my entire thing before you go and just be like, you're an an insensitive prick. I think the biggest disappointment is going to be Nolan Patrick. And I I say that, (laughs) I know, I say that not in the way he plays, okay? I just think that... We're kind of we're hyping it up as if he's ready to take on this season, and I'm not a hundred percent sure he's going to last because migraines they're 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 unpredictable. I mean, as somebody who goes through them, they're unpredictable. They're debilitating. I just don't know if he's going to be able to battle through this migraine disorder and also produce as a th- a quality third line center to me it just sounds like too many good things happening like too many stars aligning for all of this to work out so i i think that the disappointment is just going to be that it's not his season is not going to be what a lot of people are hoping for 
whether that be you're expecting him to put up 30 points or whether that's you expect him to play 40 of the 50 something games i just i think there's going to be it's not going to be a fairy tale year for nolan patrick mm-hmm. yeah that's fair how about you nat oh i could go any number of different ways with this <laughs> So much Vegas. easier to pick disappointments. <laughs> Vegas disappointment. Oh, man. Maybe, oh, don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. No, we're going to make you say it. <laughs> say right. it. Say it. Claude uh, Giroux continues to drop off. I was going to use that one, too. That wasn't my number two. Yep. Can't disagree with it. Yeah, I mean, you see where it's trending. It's It's logical. You know, it's a definite possibility. Right. Uh, biggest Derek? disappointment. This one, I think, paired with its expectations because it's been talked about so much. Phil Myers doesn't live up to the first pairing. Now, good one. You know, and it's. I think it's more realistic than most because we only have seen Phil Myers in what fifty odd games, so. It's a lot to ask of a kid who doesn't have really a full season under his belt. So I'm hoping, obviously, that he does and he lives up to the the standard of a top-line defenseman. But at the same rate, you know, if he doesn't, I think a lot of people are going to be really disappointed. And I don't want the fan base to sour on a guy like Myers because of that because he can still contribute to this team. Um, But then it's the ripple effects, like I've said before. If he doesn't do it, then you got to try this guy. If that guy doesn't work, then you got to try another guy. You know, it, it could be a carousel on the blue line this year. So, and that's just something you don't want in a exactly. shortened season. Yeah, especially in a shortened season. So that's my disappointment. Right. Um, real pop quick, pop off time. Pop off time. Do we want to ah. talk about the inter inter squad scrimmage and what if it's going to tell us anything about this team? Is it even worth discussing? Are we going to be able to draw conclusions about players, teams, this that? Well, by the time most people listen to this, it'll either just be on or, you know, it will have been over. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's even worth it. Watch it if you can. Yeah, absolutely. But don't look too much into it, folks. Don't look too much into it. These guys have been scrimmaging each other for, you know, the entire week. Guys on fire. On fire. So good. God, he's so good. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So watch it. Have fun. Don't draw too many conclusions. These guys play each other every day. So... How about you, Nat? Yep. What do you think? Same sentiment? Yes, same sentiment. And I'm going to attribute this, uh, add uh, add on to this by a, a tweet that Steve Dangle put out. You know the, the Bart Simpson meme where he's writing on the chalkboard? I like saw from that. the opening from The Simpsons? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> over and over again, I want you guys to drill this into your heads. I will not draw conclusions from a scrimmage. <laughs> right. If we did that, yep. Nolan Patrick would be the consensus top player in the NHL, wouldn't he? Right. Nah. <laughs> okay, it's pop-off time. Pop-off time? Now, yes. this week, finally, John, it's your turn to pop off. Nat, is there five minutes on the clock? Last, last week. Yes, there are. All right, are you ready, John? I think so. And go! Division sponsors. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, this is the year. As long as it's only this season, I'm okay with it. I mean, at at this point, right, let's take everything traditional and just kick it to the curb. Let's make it the Amazon Prime Cup 
for Christ's sakes. Like, who cares? I, I don't know. If that's what they need to do in order to make this league happen, I, I truly don't care if there are ads all over everything. As long as there's hockey played for this season, do your thing. The number 98 in Edmonton. <laughs> it's not 99. It's not Wayne Gretzky's number. This ah, it was one of the dumbest things I've seen where... It, this guy, I think he, I'm assuming he's a beat writer in Edmonton, and he was all up in arms because Poyarvi, right? Poyarvi's Poyarvi. 98. Yeah. So he's like, oh, it's too close to Wayne Gretzky's number. It's like, I, well, I mean, Connor McDavid's 97. I, that's kind of close. It's just, just stupid. Like, people bring up the dumbest things. Just really shut up. Like, go <laughs> hug your kid or something. Ugh. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Ronnie Adder. Ronnie Adder. Okay. I don't want this to just be a, a hothead moment because Ronnie Adder is, 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 put, <laughs> is putting up points in uh, the N- NCHC. And I don't want to discredit his point production because I think when you produce points, right, that's a valuable asset. That means that either you're making a goal happen from a pass or you're scoring a goal. But if you, if you look at how he obtains these points, right, it's very much the same thing over and over and over again. He's throwing at the puck at the net and praying for something to happen. Most of it's on a one-timer, and his assists are either because his shot generated a rebound or somebody else deflected it, or the backhand goal he had on Friday night, he legit is like, we have no time left, I'm just gonna chuck it at the net, and it just so happens to go in. He, he is not as talented as his points mislead people okay he's a one-trick pony who has so many on over over and over and over again and every time the opposition goes on a fast break you can see him trailing it's typically him that has blown his coverage because the guy can't play defense so just because the guy has how many points he has does not mean he's a good player and if somebody is telling you that ask them if they're actually watching the games please next the Dallas Stars this kind of sucks for the Dallas Stars are you talking about the COVID thing I'm assuming yeah yeah I mean it it really sucks you know I I feel like it was such a high for their franchise to be going to the Stanley Cup finals last year and then to already (laughs) have this happen for any team stinks but it's like seeing if they could ride this high into the next year. It's just an unfortunate way to have to start the season. Um, hopefully, you know, they won't experience too many more bumps in the road. Hopefully the NHL won't, but they will. Team USA. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Team USA, gold medal. Um, great game against Canada. Um, I don't know if you were able to watch it, but after the Russia game, they realized that they needed to bring a simplified game of hockey to the ice and they perfected it. And if you look at the team defense that they played in the third period against Canada, Team USA barely had the puck, but they were they were up to nothing and they knew that was a comfortable enough place for them to be in the third period to just stick to defense and it worked. I mean, Spencer Knight's going to get all the credit in the world and he deserves it, but the defense itself played phenomenally. And I, I just think it was a great... Um, great overall tournament and that kind of surprised me i didn't think anybody was going to dethrone canada the other end of the spectrum notre dame 
Notre Dame. Man, you know, I, I think the only thing that annoys me about the whole Notre Dame thing is it's like we have great seasons and it's like and then we get blown out by these superior teams. Again, there's three like really good teams in college football and then everybody else is on the next tier. So when you have four spots in the playoffs, this is bound to happen. But every year it's the same thing. Oh, they can't win the big game. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but nobody, nobody's roster can match up to Alabama. Like, <laughs> they had, what, three Heisman finalists on their roster? The quarterback, the running back, and the wide receiver? You know, and I think that's a bigger conversation for, like, what can we do to fix all of this? Which, we're not a college football podcast, but... <laughs> I'm happy with Notre Dame season. When they made the college football playoff, I never thought they were going to go far. I expected them to get shellacked, and they actually played a better game than I expected them to. So everybody else needs to shut up. That's the moral of this pop-off. Everybody else just shut up. And time. Oh, I had one more. No, no. Oh, we're doing it. I don't care, Nat. Put that clock away. What's the point of, like, me having five minutes on the clock if every time it hits zero, you guys are like, oh, overrule, overrule. You might as well just Because, Nat, because we don't actually want you to keep time. We want you to make people think that you're keeping time. I want to know if there's somebody listening that has a stopwatch and is, like, actually timing (laughs) us. Well, the power to them. I don't care. Anyway, Nat, I'm doing the last one. It's it's a bit somber. Oh, okay. Alexi Leho. The guitarist yep, for, nope. from Children of Bodom. Yeah. No, Frontman, Children of Bodom. Frontman, yeah. First of all... Incredible guitarist. Completely. Throughout. So, Children of Bodom is one of my favorite metal bands. I think that there's just so many um, cool aspects to them. Like, they're heavy, but they're rhythmic. Like, just everything you look for. The they keyboard. put on a great show. I, I saw them at Scranton, Pennsylvania for uh, Mayhem Fest a few years back. I don't even know if they have Mayhem Fest anymore, but they were... They were right before Machine Head, mm-hmm. another great band. Um, just, uh, just a phenomenal artist, phenomenal band, and it sucks to see anybody die that young. I mean, what, forty-one? Yeah, yeah you mean, know. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, the metal community feels it a little bit more, but you just feel for his family and everybody who was close to him. You know, my thoughts go out to them. But great music, and just because he's dead doesn't mean that you can't get into them. So if you have, if you have like metal music and if you've never heard of Children of Bodom, start with Are You Dead Yet and go. Yeah, awesome. Even stuff. that's a nice Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. You ever hear that one? <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a great one too. Yeah, awesome band. That's that was See, high school for me. It was worth it, Matt. It was it worth was, it, Nat. It was worth it because we can bond over another band. So, F yeah. Hogwarts. All right. All right, folks. <laughs> well, John's going to throw up the devil horns. I'm throwing up the I'm done card. <laughs> this has been the Pod Street Bullies. John, let them know where they can find us. You can find us on your various podcast listening receptacles, such as um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You can see our beautiful mugs, um, uh, Radio Public. If you Google us, you can find us on about 7,000 other ones, but just be careful that they're not, like, hacking your credit card information while you're listening to it. Um, Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, and that where they where can they find you? So you can find me producing the Great Posture Bullies podcast and uh, my work, which I'm about to post my first article on PostureBullies.com, and we're gonna have some video content soon. I promise 
video content is coming, especially with the new season coming out. So me and my boy Lucas from the gay country of the Czech Republic, we're going to be putting out some great video content for you guys. I'm also the producer of the Sixers podcast, Full Court Press. And you can catch me cutting highlights for the Philadelphia Flyers at 97.5 The Fanatic. Phenomenal. Folks, you can find me on Twitter at PodStreetBob. You can find John on Twitter at PodStreetGove. Nat already told you. And as I've always left you for God knows how long, let's go Flyers. Bye now.